I'm Jeff MacArthur. Now I'm Marlene Vinan, and happy Friday. I say that because Fridays are just great, and Fridays in summer are even greater. And we got a lot to talk about today. You know, this kind of ties in when we were talking about gay marriage and the whole transformation. Who would have ever thought? That marijuana will be legal. Just want to throw that in there. I, you know, I just think of growing up with my high school friends and and university friends in Hamilton, Ontario. If we ever ever thought it would be legal, it, we would have thought it's just impossible. But here it is, and here we have a big story today that has a lot of people scratching their head. It is a stunning story. Innisville, a tiny town, and this is a national story, so they're explaining this little town in Ontario has just won three weed dispensaries. They're all within 200 meters. You know, they they announce these lottery systems because it, it seems like a fair and balanced way, unbiased to, to get things done. So it has a lot of people talking. We're going to find out more. Premier Doug Ford was asked about it today. Well, I wouldn't say it's it's botched. We were we done it very responsibly and methodically. Uh, there wasn't a supply, so it'd be easy just to open the market up and and let everyone uh, you know open a uh, open a store. But that wouldn't be responsible. But I think the AGCO has done a really good job. Uh, you know, it's random, so they can't uh, measure who's going to come out of the the barrel and have the name. Premier Doug Ford, and we're going to find out more about this and what it says about this wild, wild west of legalizing pot and how it's playing out in Ontario. Trina Fraser is joining me, a cannabis lawyer. All right, let me ask you, Trina, are you surprised that this happened in the small town of Innisville? Well, it was unlikely, but it was definitely foreseeable. It's the it's an inevitable kind of byproduct of having a totally random lottery. So I don't think it was unforeseeable that three people would apply for to enter the lottery from that town. And you know, it's a relatively small town, so it doesn't surprise me that they're in close proximity to one another. But it it was you know surprising that all three of them won. It is. Does that make you ask any questions here? I mean, no. I mean, the, the whole lottery process was was audited by an independent third party, and I'm assuming that the randomness of the draw was was confirmed. And so, you know, it was unlikely, but it it was random. All right. Does it cause any problems that the, that it's so concentrated? Because clearly, you know, this is a fluke, and it's created a concentration, and that's to say the least. Yeah. I mean, I think that. The the municipality, I'm sure, doesn't want three stores right beside each other. It doesn't make any sense. But but the the, the proprietors of the stores probably don't want to be right next door to each mm-hmm. other either. I suspect this is a situation where, you know, one or two of them would go back to the AGCO and ask for permission to move their store to a different location, probably a different municipality entirely, and that this would be one of the extenuating circumstances that the that the AGCO was contemplating as uh, you know a situation where they would permit an address change. So you think this might be just an evolution on how we do things here? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the way that they drafted and crafted the lottery rules, they contemplated that this was an unlikely but possible scenario and that they built a little bit of wiggle room and discretion to move people around after the fact if something like this happened. And I think that's what we'll see here. 
All right. What do you think is is going to happen here when, when we talk about the lottery system? Was that the right way to do it? And when we see, you know, science is science. And look, they're all like on the same street. It's not even in just the same town. Should there should there be another way here? Well, they certainly could have raised the bar even higher to enter the lottery, or they could have made it a completely merit-based system where, you know, you were presenting essentially a business case to be evaluated by the province. And if there was to be a limited allocation of stores, um, that they would be, you know, allocated to those who scored highest on, on that evaluation. It's similar to what was done in, in, in Manitoba, for example, where they had an RFP process with a point system attached to it. Um, that would have been a more labor-intensive exercise for the regulator may have taken a bit more time, but it would have avoided the criticism that this was completely random and that we've ended up with, in many cases, winners who had really no no retail experience, no cannabis experience, and not even any aspirations of entering mm-hmm. the cannabis retail business other than, you know, an opportunity that they saw through this lottery. You know, it's, it is the Wild Wild West as we watch the legalization and how it's going to roll out and what works and what doesn't work. What does this say to you? I mean, how do you think things have gone so far? Here we have a concentration. We have certain areas of the province that are going to be represented more than others. Is there anything about this rollout process that you find confusing? Well, I think we've got to get to the point where the province opens up applications to all interested parties sooner than later, Mm -hmm. because that, you know, the supply and demand and the market forces in that case will will ultimately take care of all those concerns. We will get an appropriate distribution of the stores, those who have the wherewithal and the expertise to be in the business and, and run their business well will be in the business and will do a good job and stay open, and those who don't do a good job won't. And, um, you know, ultimately we'll reach an equilibrium, but we can't do that so long as they are limiting the allocations of stores, you know, artificially and assigning them through a random lottery. You know, you can understand, was the part of the reason they did this, I mean, it seems like they were just putting their toe in the water as this happened. And are there signs that they're thinking of just saying, okay, let's let the market dictate where it goes? Um, There have been whispers of that, yes, Mm -hmm. and I think probably um, a lot of the criticism that's come out, especially of the way the second lottery has unrolled, has maybe contributed to that as well. We're also hearing, you know, positive improvements on the supply side, although some would argue that there is no supply issue at all. Um, But in any case, it looks like that we may be moving in that direction sooner than later. Certainly, that's what a lot of industry participants are hoping. And, you know, one of the big concerns, of course, is the illegal dispensaries. We know that in Toronto, one of them uh, won a cannabis lottery when a, in, in the announcement. What are you seeing when it comes to eradicating that? Well, I mean, we still have to see what happens, how those applications play out. Remember that winning the lottery just gave you the right to apply. It doesn't mm-hmm. automatically mean that you're getting a license. So, you know, I know there's been a lot of criticism about that as well, and I'm telling people let's just sit back, let the AGCO do their due diligence process, let them determine if the party that applied at that address is, you know, meets the qualifications for licensure, and, and if they don't, they'll be disqualified still. All right. You know, as a lawyer, I'm just curious, what are you, what is the biggest hunk of your business now that we've watched this legalization roll out? 
Um, you know, it, it's still, my practice is still largely regulatory. So mm-hmm. whether it's at the provincial or the federal level, whether you're a cultivator or a processor or a retailer, it's really trying to navigate through the licensing process with the government and all, trying to stay on side your regulatory obligations because they're so complicated and new and, you know, there's a lot of room for interpretation still and, you know, the people are working so hard, spending so much time and effort getting licensed, um, you know, then they got to keep that license and make sure that they're compliant. So it's helping everybody work through this new territory and making sure that they're, they're, they're you know, achieving their business objectives and not putting it in jeopardy. Also, of course, one of the big large promises when it was legalized, it was it was going to wipe out the black market. And we're always looking on that, you know, ticking clock, how much liberals, as we head into the election, said half has been wiped out. What do you say? Are, are you surprised again by how the black market has survived? Not at all. And I think that estimate is probably a gross overestimate, (laughs) Um, but but I'm not surprised because Mm. we we knew that this was going to be an evolution that was going to take many years to achieve um, any significant displacement of the illicit market, and we still have a very limited product selection on the shelves, and, you know, it's going to be next year, really, before we start to see a full rollout of edibles and concentrates and topicals, and, you know, we have a long way to go to to making the customer experience the legal scenario, you know, as appealing as it is in the illicit one right now, we have to, as a legal industry, do a much better job still before we're going to convince more people to, to change their buying habits. So we've got a ways to go, but we're moving in the right direction. And if we have these concentrations and it's not available at a equitable point across the country, well, people are going to get into that black market, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the online buying experience, you know, in many cases hasn't yet been ideal in Ontario. So we need to continue to improve in that respect as well. We have to provide people with an appealing option. Trina Fraser, a cannabis lawyer. Thank you, Trina. Have a great weekend. Thank you. You too.